Hey everybody, welcome back for another week of Scriptures Revealed. And I know we've been on a short little break and I'm so glad that you guys have stuck uh, in and been uh, listening to the podcast. I've been seeing the uh, stats come in. You guys have been listening, have been re-listening, have been getting the word of the Lord in you and I am excited about it. I also want to congratulate all of you all for subscribing to this podcast. Uh, We have broken through and we now have a hundred subscribers and I am extremely beyond grateful, beyond excited, and beyond humbled that there are a hundred of you that have decided to allow the word of the Lord to be planted in your hearts and your mind and cause a transformation and a renovation in your minds to bring your mind into alignment with how God thinks and how God feels about a matter. So I am extremely excited about what we are doing together as we are journeying through the scripture. So don't forget to continue to share it, continue to like it, continue to grow by the word that's been revealed and continue to invite others to be a part of what God is doing in your life, what God is doing in all of our lives as we are allowing the word of God to change and transform our lives. So I'm so excited about that. And we're just going to jump right into the word. We finished chapter one of Ephesians and we started chapter two. Um, and we're, uh, we only got through about four verses, but we're going to cover verses five through 10 today. But, uh, we're going to jump right in. Now I want to remind us as we are journeying through the book of Ephesians, there is no possible way for anybody to read the book of Ephesians, to study it, to meditate on it, to assimilate it, to get it in your heart and mind and you not fall more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole goal and aim of the book is to is to create a deeper love and a deeper thirst and a deeper hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ that the more I read it and the more I study it and the more I meditate on it, the more I'm going to fall in love with the man called Jesus Christ because that is the intent of this book this this book is intended to create and to develop and to mature lovers of God so if you are hungry for more of God if you know you love God but you want to love him more or even if you're not sure why you should love him and you want to know why you should love him and why you should grow in love to him then the book of Ephesians is for you because it's going to cause you to fall more and more in love with Jesus and the more you fall, I'm going to keep saying this every week as we go through this book because I want us to get it, that the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we are going to surrender to him. And the more we surrender to him, the more we're going to love him. It is a never-ending cycle. The problem comes in is that people try to surrender to a Lord they have not first been in love with, that you got to love him first. That's why the first command commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your of your mind. Why? With, with everything about you. Why? Because God understood that if I can get a people to be in love with me, if I can get a people to, to commit their heart to me in affection and adoration and exaltation and humility and, and, and just great love towards me, then I don't have to worry.
worry about their obedience. I don't have to worry about their surrender. I don't have to worry if they're going to stay loyal and committed to me. I know they will because they love me. And that the more I can cause the roots of their love to grow deep, the more I can build in them a new height and a new degree and a new dimension of surrender and loyalty to me. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is trying to do with the book of Ephesians. So as we continue to embark through this book and journey through this book, I want us to keep in the forefront of our minds that at the end of every time we study, there should be a new and a fresh revival of love that is burning in our hearts for the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at that. We covered, we talked about um, the last time we were together, we talked about the gospel to dead men and that the whole aim of the gospel was that God came to tell good news to men who were dead. Now we're going to build on that as we continue to journey through, through this. Now let's back up and we're going to start with verse four. It says, but God, this is the ESV version this week, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Now, I know we covered verse four in the last thing, but I think it's imperative for us to understand that the basis and the premise of everything Christianity is that God loves us. It is God loves us. The basis and premise of everything Christianity is that God loves us. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to feel like you need to step away from him. You don't need to shriek back from him, but he loves you. He loves you. And the more you become immersed in that love and the more you drown your emotions in that love and the more you anchor your thoughts in that love, the more you're going to fall in love with him. Why? Because the Bible says I love him because he first loved me. He loves me. I want that thing to to get down in your soul because I want us to understand this. The Bible is for the saving of your soul. When you gave your life to Christ and you surrendered to him, God, Jesus came and did what you could not do. He came and recreated your spirit man. And we're going to talk about that today. But he rebirthed your spirit man. He made you brand new. But what he has endeavored to put into our hands is to partner with the Holy Spirit in order to save our souls. What is the saving of your soul? The saving of your soul is the renewing of your mind. It's the surrendering of your will and it is the anchoring of your emotions i'm gonna give that to you again the saving of your soul see watch the saving of your spirit man is what we call being born again when you got born again when you got regenerated when you were born from above and you were given a brand new spirit man recreated brought back from the dead that was all spiritual and it was spirit based god did that that's why the bible says god is the father of spirits so he did that that is spirit salvation came through the work of Calvary and the work of cross of the cross and Jesus Christ did that for us but the saving of your soul remember James James said it that to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul who was James talking to James was not talking to unbelievers he was talking to people who were already calling themselves Christians who were already calling themselves followers of the way so when James said we got to save the soul he wasn't talking to people who were lost he was talking to Christians see that is the, the whole purpose of working out your own salvation you work out your salvation how what does that mean you got to work in your soul what the Lord God Almighty worked in your spirit, man. 
Say that to you again. You have got to work out in your soul what the Lord Jesus Christ has worked in your spirit, man. So the saving of the spirit is salvation, is regeneration, is being born again. The saving of the soul is the renewing of your mind. It is the surrendering of your will, and it is the anchoring of your emotions. That is how there are. There it is very possible to be in church and be saved, to have a saved spirit, and your soul still be in captivity. How do I know that? You know, the Bible talks about even in in First Corinthians, uh, Paul identifies three classes of men. He talks about a natural man that's dead. I mean, that spirit man is dead. There's separation between that man and God. You got the natural man, you got the carnal man, and you got the spiritual man. So the natural man is dead. I mean, dead to the things of God, dead to the things of the spirit, separated completely from God, his life, his joy, his peace, his kingdom. The carnal man is the man that has been regenerated in his spirit, but has failed to to partner with the Holy Spirit and cause salvation to be worked out in his soul. So the carnal man is a man that whose, whose mind needs to be renewed, is the man whose will needs to be surrendered. It's the man whose emotions need to be anchored. But when you're talking, looking at a person that's up one day and down one day in their emotions, their will one moment, they're surrendered to God. And the next, they're not surrendered. Their mind is out of alignment with the word of God. Their thought patterns are not in alignment with God. Their emotions are not in alignment. That is a carnal man. Their spirit man is saved. Their spirit man has been regenerated. Their spirit man has been born again. But their soul has not received the benefits of that salvation because soul salvation takes partnership with the Holy Spirit. You have to partner with him. Jesus did the work all by himself to save your spirit, but you have to partner with the Holy Spirit in order to see that salvation show up in your soul. So we've got to realize in verse four, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love, my God, with which he loved us. Namely, when we were dead in our trespasses, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? God is so rich in mercy. The Psalms even talks about how daily he loads us up with benefits. Daily he loads us with benefits. And, and, and part of that is the beauty of the mercy of God is that and out of that mercy and out of that love, we see the merciful love of God. When we were dead in our trespasses. Now, the last time we talked about dead simply means separated. Dead simply means separated. So you are a spirit being. I know some of these things I go over repeatedly, but when you're renewing the mind, you've got to go over things over and over and over again until it becomes assimilated into your thought patterns, until it becomes a normal way of thinking. So you are a spirit man. Spirits are eternal. All right, you have an eternal spirit living on the inside of you. Now, whether you're born again or not born again, your spirit man is going to exist forever. Now, either you're going to exist in hell or you're going to exist in heaven, but uh, you're going to exist on the earth, but you are going to exist forever. So that is why suicide is so demonic because it makes you think you're going to end your existence. It's demonic. What it does not end your existence. What it does is it short circuits your ability to fulfill destiny and advance the kingdom of God in the earth realm. That's what it does. So the enemy likes to use that weapon to cut your destiny short, not to end your existence. You are going to exist 
forever. You are going, whether you're born again or not born again, you're going to exist forever. So dead does not mean non-existent. It means separated. Separated. So when you talk about physical death, we're talking about physical separation. It is you being separated from the body that you have. It is you being separated from your physical body. When you talk about emotionally being dead, somebody says, I'm just, I just feel emotionally numb. I just feel emotionally dead. What are they saying? They are saying that they feel separated from their emotions. They feel separated from what they really feel, how they feel, why they feel, What's going on with their feelings? When you're talking about spiritual death, we're talking about spiritual separation. It has been separated from God, from God's life, from God's kingdom, from God's righteousness, from God's peace, from God's grace, from God's mercy, from God's kindness. You see that it is separation. It is separation. So uh, Paul says here, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we see the love of God in the fact that when we were separated in our transgressions, we were separated from God because of the type of life we live. Now, not yes, because of Adam's sin, we all end up being born sinners and being shaped in iniquity. Yes, that is true. But let's not uh, blame everything on Adam because even though you were born a sinner, you sure did live up to the name. (laughs) You sure did live up to the title. Yes, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but then I made decisions on my own accord that verified, validated, and authenticated the fact that I was a sinner. Yes, I, I I was born in it, but then I, I made choices that made me a liar, that made me full of pride, that made me an adulterer, that made me uh, uncommitted, that made me uh, uh, a doubter and a one who would be, who would live in doubt and live in conspiracy. Do you get that? That the Bible talks about that unbelievers, that the, that those who don't believe. The sin of unbelief is a real thing. So therefore, they're going to end up, the Bible says, in the lake of fire. So you know what unbelievers look like? People who are not just unbelievers in the, in the work of Calvary, but even unbelievers, they look like doubters. They are they always have a conspiracy for everything. They are paranoid about everything. See, people who live like that, you are living separated from the life of God. God didn't call you to live in paranoia. God didn't call you to live in suspicion. God didn't call you to live in, in wondering what's going on who's saying this and what are they saying and what are they doing no God has called you to live free and he's called you to abundant life and he's called you to live it to the fullest until it overflows it and watch this it's all because of the love of God now I got to keep moving because I'm getting excited about this so even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ he made us alive together with Christ he made us alive God did that. That is what I want you to grab a hold of, that he did that. You're going to say, how do I get the life of God in my spirit? You, you don't, God does that. He does the hard work. He makes you alive. So if death is separation, then to be made alive means unison, unity, harmony, agreement with. So if you were dead, separated from God because of sin, what Christ has done, what God has done is made you alive with God. He's united you with God. He's brought you into unity with God. That is why you are now a part of the royal family. Remember we talked about that? The royal family. You are a part. You have been brought in because you have been made alive. And I love this tag that Paul puts on here. He 
says, by grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. Now, Paul is going to reiterate this over and over and over again. He's going to show us that all of this is by grace. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have you didn't do this on your own accord by grace. Now, let me give you a uh, a definition of grace that may be a little different than what you've heard before, but is it, it, it's true to the essence of the word. That word grace, it means it, it draws the picture of God leaning towards someone in order to share something with them. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. Grace is the leaning of the Lord in order to share something with them. It's the leaning of the Lord. See, grace, grace did not appear in the New Testament. It just became more clear in the New Testament. That's what we've got to understand about reading the old and the new, that everything in the new didn't originate in the New Testament. Its roots are found in the old covenant. But what happens is clarity is brought to it in the New Testament. For instance, grace. Grace didn't show up in the New Testament. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. What is that grace? Noah found God leaning into him in order to share something with him. What did God share with Noah? He shared the future with Noah. <laughs> oh, this is getting good. He shared the future with Noah. Is that when grace is really at work in your life, it's going to cause you to have a hunger and a thirst for the future. The Bible says you are saved by grace, which means when you really experience salvation, what you're going to develop a hunger for is the future. That you're not just saved from something, but you are saved to something. You are saved from the work of sin. You are saved from the penalty of sin, saved from the power of sin. But I'm not just saved from it. I'm saved to the future. I'm saved to it. I'm saved to it. That is what grace is called. Grace, when the work of grace is really in operation, it's going to give you access to the future. How do you get to the future? You get to it by grace. Because grace is the leaning in of God in order to share something with you. And what is he sharing? The future. You say, oh, but the gifts of the spirit, they operate by grace. Absolutely. Because what is that? It is God leaning into you. In order to share with you his ability. Why? What the Bible calls it, his abilities, it calls it the power of the ages to come. What is that? Futuristic. That means when the when the manifestations of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit are in operation, what God is trying to do is beckon a people into the future. Why do we have prophecy? Because he's trying to pull you. He's trying to deliver you to the future. Why do we have healing? Because he's trying to deliver you to the future. Why do we have miracles and, and faith and, 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 and gifts of healing and, and, and all of, all of the words of wisdom, words of knowledge? Why do we have that? Because he's trying to deliver you to the future. Why is it that you have a calling and a destiny? And why is it that if your grace is, is giving, then you need to give Give according to your grace. You need to exhort according to your grace. What is God doing? He is trying to say, hey, get rid of the shame. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of the condemnation. I've delivered you from that. But not only have I delivered you from, I've delivered you to the future. So he says, by grace, you have been saved. 
Watch this, verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, or in other words, among the celestial ones. We talked about that uh, over in chapter 1. So he raised us up with him and seated us with him among the celestial ones in Christ Jesus or in the nation of Jesus Christ. God did. Now, I want you to remember, this is all the work of grace. He raised you up. God has not called you to live the low life. You say, what does the low life look like? It looks like the life of a beggar. It looks like the life of one who lives in lack, who lives in shame, who lives in condemnation, who lives in guilt. Uh, you've been raised up. And the beauty of this is he did it by grace, which means he didn't need your help to do it. He did this for you. He raised you up and then he seated you with him. In heavenly places. Now watch this. The beauty of this, you're going to start seeing as we progress in the book of Ephesians, you're going to start to see how Paul is preaching one big beautiful message in this entire book. So watch this. It says, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places or among the celestial ones in the nation of Jesus Christ. Now that is awful, awfully familiar because it says we are seated with him. Well, where is he seated? Over in chapter one, we learn that he is seated at the right hand far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. He is seated in a place of authority. But not only is he seated there, this Bible says that by the grace of God, you have been seated there. You've been seated in a place of authority and far above all authority, all power, all dominion, far above every name that is named. Watch this. So we are not living in the full benefits of grace. We are not living in the full benefits of salvation until we are ruling and reigning from the future. You got to get that. You got to get that because authority is meant to be exercised and executed from a person that is exercising that authority from the future. From the future. How do I know that? Let's, let's, let's look at the authority in the life of Jesus. Remember when Jesus told the disciples, it, it, it is necessary that we go to the other side because I've got to keep preaching the gospel. I've got to keep casting that net out there and drawing those unto me that belong to me because I'm not going to lose anybody that the father has given into my hand. That's what he said. And so he says, we've got to get to the other side. They get on the boat and they, and the storm comes. I mean, the waves are are blowing, the rain is falling, the boat is being tossed to and fro, and the disciples are panicking, and Jesus is asleep. Jesus is asleep, and the disciples are panicking, and they wake him up and say, you know, don't you care about us? You don't care about what's going on in our life? Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like us? You know, God tells us to go here, to do this, surrender that, stop that, go over here, and we get there, and the storms of life uh, of a certainty, they show up, and they blow, the winds blow, and the rain fall, and we get tossed to and fro, and all of a sudden, we're like, God, don't you care about what I'm going through? 
through? Don't you care about what's going on around me? And the issue is not about whether or not God cares. It's about, am I going to be secure in the fact that he said we are going to the other side? And so I've got to realize that God's instructions to me came from the future. (laughs) And if they came from the future, I don't care what the waves are doing. The future has been revealed to me that I'm going to get to the other side. I don't care that the rains is falling. The future has been revealed to me that I'm going to get to the other side. I don't care what the boat looks like. I don't care if pieces of the boat are floating off into the ocean. What I know is that I'm going to get to the other side because he has leaned into me and shared the future. Now watch this about authority. They wait. The disciples wake Jesus up. And they say, don't you care about what's going on in our life? And Jesus, the Bible says, he stands up and says, you know, oh, you little faith. He rebukes the wind and the wave. He speaks peace to the situation and everything stops. And of a surety, they get to the other side. What was the point? Of, what, what is the point I'm trying to make here? Is that Jesus stood up and operated in authority. He took authority over the wind. He took authority over the waves. He took authority over that situation because he was ruling and reigning from the future. He he made that authoritative decision about the present because he had insight into the future. That is how kingdom authority works. The Bible says he is seated in heavenly places, far above all authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named. So he is sitting in a place of authority. And the Bible says we have been raised up with him. We are seated with him in heavenly places. So that means we are supposed to be reigning with him. And how does he reign? He reigns from the future. So if I know the future is that, you know, I, I'm uh, going to be preaching the gospel and traveling the nation and doing all that. Then if sickness a- attacks my body, I take authority over that because I know this sickness, it, it can't go with me into the future because I can't do the future with sickness. So I take authority over it. Why? I'm ruling and reigning from the future. You know, you know, when, when you, your children are born, you break, you use the authority of Jesus Christ and you break generational curses and you break curses off the bloodline and you break curses off of the last name and you break curses that are, that are uh, already been spoken over their life. Why? Because you are ruling and reigning from the future. So a person that has no future vision has no secure authority. When you don't have future vision, you won't have secure authority because you don't know what you should be ruling, what you should be executing under your authority, how you should be reigning in the present. Because if you don't know how to reign in the present, it's because you have no insight about the future. You don't know where you're going. You don't know uh, the direction you're supposed to be headed in. You don't know what the future looks like for you. And the reason you don't is because you're, you're trying to do it in words because when grace is in motion, God is going to lean into you to share the future, to deliver you to the future, not just deliver you from, but deliver you to. So it says, we're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us or on us. It's the actual translation there that he may show watch the grace in his kindness on us in Christ Jesus or in the nation of Jesus Christ. Now watch this parallel here. 
in verse 7, it says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness on us in Christ Jesus. But if you back up in chapter 1, Paul is still talking about the same thing in verse 19 of chapter 1. and says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us Toward us or on us who believe. Watch this. So the immeasurable greatness of his power is the immeasurable riches of his grace. You cannot experience the power of God without experiencing the grace of God. And you cannot experience the grace of God without experiencing the power of God. Grace and power, grace and power, and it's been demonstrated on us in the nation of Jesus Christ. Now watch this, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. You know what this, all of these verses are about? The gift of God. It's all the gift of God. Remember, this is all about falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, hey, remember you were dead and you were separated? Remember when you used to live like this? Remember when you used to be bound in that? Remember when you used to walk according to that pattern and according to that way and according to that line of thought? Remember that? Remember that? Paul says, I want you to remember and I want you to look at your life now and look at the abundant life that you are able to live right now and know that it's the gift of God. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's not a result of your works. Because I don't want you boasting about it. I want your boast to be in the Lord. That this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in my eyes. And he says, it's not a result of words so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. No, no, no. Your salvation is not a result of you. Your deliverance from is not a result of you. Your deliverance, too, is not a result of you. It is the gift of God. And you being his workmanship, you know what that word workmanship, it means you are his poetic masterpiece. You are his poetic masterpiece, which means God and his majesty and his brilliance has added such a melody, such an expression such a way with words to your life that when the angels look at you, they see God writing poetry. <laughs> when creation looks at the son of sons of God, they don't see just a bunch of human beings. No, what they see is that the poetry of God is being written on the earth. It is beautiful. It is, it is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece of art, a masterpiece of poetry that God would take man. David, David put it this way. What is man that thou art so mindful of him that you've made him a little lower than the angels? What is man that you are so mindful? It, you know what? It, it is, it is mind blowing. The poetic expression of God revealed in the sons of God. That's who we are. We are the poetic expression of the Lord God Almighty. It is beautiful what God does with the life. 
that it doesn't matter how far you've gone or where you've been or what you've done. God still has something to say over your life and he still has something that he's going to use and and just maneuver with great style and ease and with smoothness and with grace and with eloquence. That's why the Bible says he blesses us. You know what that word bless? It means he speaks well of us. It is the poetry of God. Our lives reveal what God, his creative artistic side. Yep, I was abandoned, but the Lord had mercy on me and his mercy endures forever. Yes, I was bound in this, but his mercy endures forever. Yes, I I needed to be delivered out of that, but his mercy endures forever. And not only did he deliver me out of stuff, but he's delivering me to the future for good words, which was prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. That is beautiful poetry. That is a creative masterpiece that is a wonderful and marvelous artistic expression of the work of grace and the life of a human being you are his workmanship you are his poetic expression you are his crafty work you are you are everything about your life is going to make sense because god is determined he's purpose to express how awesome he is, how marvelous he is, how kind he is. God wants to express his kindness through you, wants to express his grace through you. And he's going to do it in such a way and in such a style that all of heaven and all of creation and all of hell will stand and wonder and marvel and say, wow, and be in awe of the poetic eloquence of the Lord God Almighty expressed in the life of a citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, I am out of time, (laughs) but uh, I hope this has encouraged you, has inspired you, has motivated you, and has caused you to fall more and more in love with the man called Jesus Christ. So don't forget to listen again, take notes, meditate on it, study it for yourself. Let the word of God get in you. Even begin memorizing some of these verses in the book of Ephesians so that you can grow more and more in your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. So meditate on it, study it, share it, invite other people to join us on this journey, share this podcast. Don't forget to leave reviews and let me know how this is blessing you. Don't forget to to uh, rate it and, and give the stars based on how it is blessing your life and impacting you. And guys, you want to be on the lookout for something that is coming very, 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 very soon uh, that I've been working on. I'm getting ready to release it. I'm not ready to announce it yet, but you are going to want to be a part of it. So stay on the lookout for that. Thank you guys for joining me this week. I'll see you next week for another episode of Scriptures Revealed. Love you all. Thank you.